I do an activity mm-hmm. called the Fantastic Five with my daughter. Um, and this is something that I've just an activity I do in my workshops, which is what's one thing I accomplished today? What's one person mm-hmm. I helped or supported? What's one memorable moment? What's one thing I learned and one thing I'm proud of? And if you just pause for a minute and answer either one of those questions or all of those questions, you're going to shift your mind to that mental positive to see the progress you made and the difference you're making. Hey there, welcome to Good Guys Getting Better. I'm Christian Hanley, and today I'm joined by someone new. This is Chris Littlefield. Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Your first time here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Chris is uh, someone who actually I met as a fellow dad, um, of all things, at a kid's birthday party. And we just kind of hit it off. We both grew up um, in New England. Um, At the time, I was still an entrepreneur. I've I've since changed occupations a little bit. Um, But Chris and I have stayed in touch and and kind of become friends and compared notes professionally. And Chris is an international speaker um, who who goes around literally the entire world um, talking to individuals and employers. And well, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and say what you actually do and kind of introduce yourself. That's a good question. And yeah, I do, <laughs> I do a lot of work on helping people connect in meaningful ways in the workplace. And so a lot of that is around training leaders on how to be able to connect and create meaningful experience at work that people don't want to leave. And then a big portion of my work is also talking about how do we better take care of ourselves so we can better take care of the people that work for us every day. Yeah, yeah. And um your your company, I mean, I always see your your graphics on LinkedIn and on on social media, but your it's not the company name, I think it's actually your slogan is Beyond Thank You, right? What what, what yeah, does that so mean to my, you? Yeah, so my my company's Beyond Thank You. Funny enough, it used to be Acknowledgement Works, but then I realized that nobody could spell acknowledgement correctly, uh, <laughs> including myself, so I changed right. it. But it's really about getting people just to be thinking about what are the little things that we can be doing every day to take care of ourselves and what are the little things that we can be doing to take care of others and removing this idea that anyone has it all together all the time or that we always know the right thing to do opposed to, hey, we're trying the little things that may make a difference and this worked, this didn't work, but constantly checking in with others and ourselves to Try to be able to, I mean, it's a cliche thing, but to be able to show up the way we want to show up for others each day. Yeah, that's important work. Um, and I, the, the reason why I asked you on actually for this particular uh, pod is because I had seen a video you recently recorded <laughs> of you just sort of out in the woods enjoying a walk in nature, but it was for a really important point or a bunch of points you made about um, mental health awareness and in particular what you do to take care of yourself uh, in your work life to sort of refill your tank and, and keep yourself going. And I thought... You know, I had just, when I saw that clip, to be transparent, I know I had them with you in the past and with the audience, yeah. I had come off a solid three-week bout of depression. Yeah. And, um, you know, mental health is something that I'm only now educating myself on as an adult, um, which if anybody is watching knows about my childhood – I'm a little bit late to the game. I should have been studying up a little bit, a little bit earlier in life, uh, but better late than never. Um, and I thought, okay, well, this is actually great timing for this pod. Like, let's let's get on and and let's talk about it. So, what inspired you to make that video for for your audience? Well, so the it was sparked because I just came back from a conference. It was 450 people uh, working in the human service field. So these were organizations that were 
supporting youth and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I've worked a lot with the human service field and I used to be working in it myself prior to starting my own business. And we were going down and it was, um, it was probably 200 self-advocates, which are individuals with developmental disabilities. Um, and then the direct support professionals, the people who choose a life where they're going to support somebody who may not be always the easiest person to support and they're not going to get paid well. And they may work 24 hour shifts sometimes, you know, living in group homes and, and, and support facilities. And this is a really high burnout field. And mm -hmm. what I found is that people who care for others usually are the worst ones at caring for themselves. And so when we were going down there, we we're looking at what would be a universal session that would apply to the people, the individuals that were there, the support professionals that were there, and the executives and families that were there at this event. And so there's a program that I created for Maine Medical Center probably back in 2016 or 17. They said, hey, it's Nurses Week. We need a program. They need simple and quick tips that they can do. They don't have time to meditate, to do yoga or anything like that. They're not going to – that won't resonate with them. So what can they do? And – as I was writing the program, I think I wrote it in a couple hours. And it was one of those ones that just kind of came out. And I was like, you know, why is it that we burn out? And everybody burns out all the time. And we all go through these waves. And, you know, one thing that frustrates me is people saying, well, Christian, you should do this. You know what? I've been doing CrossFit and CrossFit has just changed my life. And you should do CrossFit too. I'm like, who are you to tell me what's going to work for me? Right, I don't right. like being told what to do, right? And I don't like being told what's going to work for me because what's going to work for you is not going to necessarily work for me. And that's based on the idea that everybody has it all together all the time and nobody does. And so part of that process was, well, why is it that we, you know, one minute have it together and then three months later we're dragging on the ground and it's largely mm -hmm. because we're not paying attention to our gauge, and yeah. that was the, the core activity behind it was, hey, we all have a stress and recovery cycle that we've gone through multiple times in our life. You know, I'm 45 mm -hmm. years old. I have burnout and I thought I hit rock bottom and then I turned it around and clearly I'm alive because I'm here right now. <laughs> and I've had right. times where I've gone like several months and have just been like cruising along and then something happens and I start to slip again. And what I realized, mm -hmm. I'm like – there's early warning signs that we're starting to slip, but most of us don't pay attention to it. And so in the workshop, what I, what I do with people is I kind of joke. It's like how many people have run out of gas before in their car? And it's like, you know, there'll always be a few people whose hands go up. And I go, why? And it's just, well, I wasn't paying attention to the gauge. Or yeah. I thought it had 40 miles left and I didn't, you know, that kind of thing. And then realizing, well, if we were aware of what half a tank was for us and we were paying attention to our gauge, then maybe we could catch ourselves here before we get to here again. And I was just kind of thinking about that. And then while I was doing it, I was like, well, what are my, what are those things that I need to be doing on a regular basis to keep myself out of this? Like I got to get seven hours of sleep, like at a minimum, I need to not have my phone by my bed because if I do, I will check my email, I'll right. watch something on YouTube, I'll doom right. scroll, I will start looking at like Redfin, I'm not buying a house, but I still look any all the time anyway. 
Right. And right. then I don't fall asleep at night. And then I don't. And then I drink too much coffee the next day. And it's like, okay, yeah. I need these base things. Like when I'm at my best, I do intermittent fasting. And not because mm-hmm. I care about the fasting, but because I have regulations that mean I don't eat before 11 and I don't eat after 8.30 at night. Mm -hmm. And so last night when I didn't do that, I ate probably a thousand calories from 8.30 to 9.30. Yeah. Making my (laughs) lunch. I'm doing that. And if I don't have those little parameters in place, then I kind of go off the rails sometimes. And so there's this element of just kind of checking in like, what is my, what is my baseline? What are those things that I do when I'm my best that, Help me stay together. And then more importantly, what are those early warning signs that you're starting to slip? Like me, it's like going to the peanut butter jar, right? Yeah. You know, like scooping peanut. We don't have sweets in our house. So I'm like, the only thing I can go to that's like that is like scooping peanut butter out of the jar. And if I'm like at my desk and then I'm going Mm -hmm. and I'm like got my hand in the fridge and then I'm coming back and then I'm going back and forth and I'm doing this all day long, Mm -hmm. that's when I know there's something a little bit off or something I can't be with. It's going yeah, on. I don't know if that resonates yeah. at all with you, but oh, totally. I mean, I think that's for a lot of people. I mean, whether it's you know peanut butter or candy or you know wine or beer or chocolate or what, everybody who I've Everything. talked to about this said it's the same principle in general. You reach a certain level of exhaustion where, um, and you don't, you're not necessarily sleepy, but you're you're and you're not burned out yet, but you're. You know, you're you're burning into reserves, right? Yeah. And it's that like that that primal urge for a quick fix you get from caffeine or sugar or whatever. It just that 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 craving you get. Um, and by the way, good for you not having sweets in the house with a child in the oh, house as well. Wife. That's it's my, it's my wife. It's not. A, it's a, I don't buy this stuff. And it's kind of like, hey, we're not going to keep this. And oh, right. what you were saying right there, a friend of mine who. Um, is a psychiatrist, I think, is he had a really great name for it. And he goes, it's relief mm. behavior. It's those things mm. that we do that we think are going to give us relief from the yeah. discomfort we're feeling. And I was like, I think about it. I even watch myself. I'm like, I am going to the peanut butter jar right now. Why are you doing this? And I still do right. it anyway. But it's that I feel like I'm going to get temporary relief from this discomfort, even though rarely that actually gives me anything. Other than yeah. the guilt that I just had like 12 scoops of peanut butter in the last few minutes and now I can't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know? But it's like this idea that I'm going to get relief from this thing, yet the only thing that's going to give me relief is either going to go for a walk, get out, break out of the thing, or do the very thing that I'm yeah. avoiding. Yeah, no, you know? that's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, it's funny though because I, I'm always super critical of myself, um, which is a weird thing because I'm – only now starting to get or trying to work towards the level of discipline and self-awareness that you're describing. I have not been that good at all for years. Um, but at the same time, I'm just super critical of myself. And I was at, um, I found a new primary care doctor recently. I'd yeah. been taking forever to find anybody, trying to figure out insurance and all that junk. Yeah. And I was sitting down and kind of going through an inventory of how I've been doing and all of this sort of stuff. And it's been a long time since I've been to a doctor. And I was just talking about these things. And she said, okay, but Christian, you realize you're also human. Like you, you can and you should like be going for that dog walk in the evening instead of like chugging that beer, eating that mac and cheese, eating that, you know, ice cream, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're a person like once in a while, like 
cut yourself some slack and allow yourself to like indulge a little bit. But if it's something where you're, you know, fulfilling cravings or trying to like, you know, just give yourself that relief from discomfort or give yourself that boost of energy or whatever, then at that point, it's like, okay, that's when you need to start sort of like you said, checking in and realizing that those are sort of some early warning signs that you're, you know, you're kind of burnt out or you're get, approaching burnout. The difference of like, I had a coaching client one time who, mm-hmm. you know, called me up and was like, I feel so guilty. I watched 13 back-to-back episodes of Gilmore Girls all Saturday. And I was like, <laughs> the only problem is that you're feeling guilty about it. I'm like, sometimes yeah. you need to just do that. I think, yeah. I think when it becomes a problem is when, we do it for like three weekends straight. Like, right. I mean, for me, sometimes I'm like, I'm a finisher and I can't start like a season of something and not finish it. Like I can't right. stop. Like I have no control. Like they've just got a, a great new book. I don't know if you know, um, JK Rowling's murder mysteries. She, uh, Robert mm, Gilbrath. No. And it's like this whole murder mystery series it was a 30 mm. hour audible. I got through it in like a week. You know, and I was Holy. like, I went for bike rides, I went everything, but it was right, like, right. you know, when I start something, I'm like, I want to finish it. Same with a bag of chips sometimes. And it's like, and I, and I think it's like, hey, this is human. And I think it's looking at, you know what, if I'm, if I'm doing it over and over, I don't know about you, but something kicks in mm. where there's a point where I, I, I start talking negatively about myself, but mm-hmm. then there's also yeah. a point too, where I get kind of just disgusted. And that's what mm. kind of, and what I mean by disgusted is not like you're disgusting, but just kind of like, you know, when it's like, it's like, I don't know, like as a kid where it's like, okay, I'm like, you know, I need a shower or like, I'm just like, <laughs> right. I've been sitting at home and I'm like, I just don't feel good anymore. And then right. something kind of triggers me into, Hey, it's time to, it's time to break out of this. It's right. Like, I right. went too far, not too far, but just kind of like, I need, you know what, this isn't feeling good anymore. And I don't like who I'm being in the world right mm. now kind of triggers. Yeah. But sometimes it's because I watch five episodes back to back that I'm like, okay, time <laughs> to delete Netflix from the phone, you know? <laughs> but see, it's so funny because for me, I've, I've usually had the opposite problem where I – I grew up in a situation where rest was sinful. Like that there was no there was no template, there was no behavior modeled where good restorative rest was praiseworthy or even just value neutral, right? If you were resting, that was being lazy, that was not being productive. Hard. Exactly. Which, you know, there are times that you do need to push yourself to meet a deadline or whatever. But for me, it became an entire all-consuming part of my life to the point that like I I just could not if I were to sit still and do nothing, I'd be grinding my teeth. I'd be giving myself a headache. I just to me it felt like I I could not just let it go. And um I've found this amazing new therapist Mm -hmm. and we've we've in the span of the past couple of months gone really deep into a lot of crap, both, you know, the sort of day to day adult stuff we're talking about, but also like some things going way back into childhood. And it was funny that once she she didn't give me permission, but she showed me how to give myself permission. Yeah. And, you know, I on a rainy Saturday, like put on a hoodie and sweatpants and like flopped on my couch and watched old TV shows and movies. And I don't even know when I've done that in my life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like going back to my teenage years, I'm thinking like, I, I cannot, unless I've been burnt out to the point that I couldn't move, mm-hmm. um, which happened 
working really hard on crisis communications during the pandemic yeah. um, or like having COVID. Yeah. Absent that, just taking a Saturday or a Sunday to rest. Uh, so I, I've done that a couple of times in the past uh, month or two. And then in therapy sort of talked about it that I've, I've done that a few times. And she had this kind of funny look on her face, my therapist. And she said, Christian, you realize that most people do that like a couple times a week, right? That was like <laughs> a couple times a week, like every night, right? Like, yeah, no, not me. No. No, and I think no. it's, what, what occurred to me as you were sharing that was that like we all have our own little permissions we need to give ourselves, right? Like our own little barrier, yeah. like of of what is that thing that we have to allow ourselves to do, right? Yeah. Like, and I think you know, I'm like, I was thinking like, what is that? What is that for me when you're sharing that? Like, and I've I've started. Mm. I'm not Jewish, but practicing kind of like Shabbat. Like, I make a rule yeah. to try not to open up this computer that I'm at right now in my office and do anything work-wise on Saturdays. Yeah. And largely because I realized that if I didn't, my work week never stopped. And I right. love, I love working on my business. I love thinking about it. I love reading books. I love thinking about organizational problems and people dynamics. And like, I'm yeah. jazzed by that. And I get excited about that. And if I could, I talk about it all the time. But I remember a boss one time who was like, because I was doing, I worked for the anti, um, for the Center for the Prevention of Hate Violence a long time ago. Mm. And I was like all the time reading that. And then I'd be watching movies at night, like Crash. I don't know if you remember that mm. movie. Oh, right? yes. And Vividly. Like, Vividly. And every night, yeah. she's, like, she's like, you need to stop. She's like, get yeah. some sci-fi, get some whatever. But like, yeah. Take a break because you're not going to ever be able to be fully present in what you're doing if you don't give yourself some distance from what you do. You know, and I was yeah. like, and that was for me, like, just a huge reminder being like, okay, how do I carve out those boundaries to give my mind a chance to disconnect from what I'm doing? And, and hey, I'm with you. I'm like, I need to take those days to, to stop. And yeah. I also need to take those days to dig in and work harder because a lot of my anxiety comes from not taking certain actions that I know right. I need to take. Right, right. Although I do find that the the act of taking some time to rest, even if you're you're moving away from your work and you're not consciously working on it, at least for me, and this is like, let me be clear, this is all brand new to me. When I'm talking about these yeah. healthy things that I'm doing, yeah. I've been doing them for all of like four weeks now <laughs> this is new. this is all very new like i've been super dysfunctional this is like really um this feels very almost alternative-y new agey i know it's not i know it's now scientific you know it's it's been yeah. researched it's backed um i'm just saying for me personally I, I don't want anybody to think that i've like been you know working on myself for years and years this is a very new uh process for me but i have found that almost paradoxically taking that time and not forcing myself all the time means one that when i'm on i can be on with greater clarity and greater productivity but even more importantly to myself as a person when i'm off i'm not doing things like one having horrific self-abusive negative self-talk when i am taking my foot off the gas yeah. and flopping on the couch for a little bit i'm not grinding my teeth to a pulp at night i'm not yeah. you know getting the same sort of like muscle and tension and headache pains and things you know things like that and that's um it's a, it's a new discovery for me it's a very nice thing to be able to like oh, oh. Uh, realize the benefit of that christian it's almost cliche 
Like I, I like <laughs> think of like we all have to go through this hero's journey. Right. You know, it's mm. like, you know, the hero's journey where it's like, OK, you go out and you're going to do this and you're going to do it. And then all of a sudden you meet your enemy and then you crash and then you fight. And it's like it's like we all have to have this like awakening at some point in time where you realize this isn't working anymore. And it's like yeah. that line of like what got you here won't get you there kind of thing. Where right. It's like, hey, we hit this point where it's just like my wife and I hit it during the pandemic where it's just like this life we're living doesn't work. Why yeah. are we doing this? You know, yeah. where it's like, it just kind of kicks in. I'm like, what, where are my priorities right now? And, you know, for me, just having that realization and I'm, I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. And it's like, you know, just realizing I'm like, where are my priorities at? And is this really helping me accomplish me, accomplish and live the life that I want to live? And it's like, maybe not, you know, mm. where it's like, does this really bring me happiness? No, probably shouldn't be spending my time there. But it's right. so hard to not get into that comparison trap where it's like, well, so-and-so's doing this, and so-and-so's doing that, and so-and-so's doing this. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah. this person has this car, and that person has this house, and this person does this, and this person accomplished this, and they're only 31. How are they a president of a country? <laughs> you know, right. it's like there's always going to be somebody who's gone right. further. And what I keep on trying to do is just remind myself, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is what I've accomplished. And now I'm on that next, what's that next thing I want to accomplish for my success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important. And, uh, you know, to your point about the next thing, uh, the other thing that I'm coming to realize too, is that even when you are doing things like going to therapy, checking in with yourself more, being more self-aware, recognizing behavioral patterns, things like that, even when you, you are digging into yourself and very often digging into your past as part of that work, the mindset you sort of have to have is exactly that. Like the only direction you can move in is forward. I mean, you, you cannot go back and fix the mistakes of the past and berating yourself. It's not about skipping out on responsibility, but you know, you have to give yourself the same sort of grace you would give others. You would teach your child to give others. You have to learn how to give to yourself and be able to just take the steps you need to take to move forward and, and do better in the future. Yeah. I think what I therapist a long time ago, I've been in therapy in different ways and multiple times throughout my life, parents divorce and then bad breakups and sure. figuring out my yeah, identity well. at different times. I was like, therapy is one yeah. of my favorite things in the world because this person is paid to just listen to me. Cause as a person who <laughs> listens for a living, you know, most of my right. job, I'm like, I need right. somebody who I'm not going to feel guilty or like I'm imposing on them. And so if I'm paid, then I feel like this time's mine. I can focus. I can share whatever <laughs> I want to share. And I'll always remember this therapist saying, it's like, I want you to get a picture of you at like seven or eight years old and just put it in your wallet. And it's like, hmm. if you wouldn't say what you're saying to yourself right now to a kid wow. that age, would you say it yeah. to yourself? And that was just like, I was like, huh. And I was like, you know what? That's a, that's some pretty good wisdom right there. What I say, and you and I both have kids the same age, you know, it's yeah. like, what I say, what I'm saying to myself, to my daughter, like you're a failure. I yeah. can't believe you couldn't do this. That was so stupid yeah. that you did that. Like you shouldn't have made that mistake. You could have done that so much better. Would I ever say that to her? No, of course not. Right. 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 Like, and so why would I give myself permission to say it? And I think that's like that little reminder just kind of break out. And also it's like, you know what? This is a made up game we're playing right now. Right. Like totally. I like that distinction of that life's a game and it's like, you know what? 
I'm making up the rules. You know, but I, I don't yeah. know about you. I love to worry. It's my, I think my way of motivating myself <laughs> sometimes. I got to own that too. I mean, I, I, I think in my family, worrying is, is genetic. It goes all the way up the family line, um, at least on one side of my family. Um, but, you know, it's it's crazy you say that because I've had um, that same sort of conversation both in and out of therapy about the negative self-talk. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, if I ever said anything to my son the way I talk to myself just in my own inner monologue. One, he would be in therapy like tomorrow. Two, he'd be on the floor in tears having an identity crisis before the age of 10. And three, I mean, let's be real, that would be abuse. It would be actual like certifiable emotional and verbal abuse. And yet we still, as adults, do it to ourselves all the time. And it's like such a hard thing to disrupt until someone actually tells you, hey, you know, the way you're talking to yourself actually isn't okay. You shouldn't be doing that to yourself. Yeah. Or to look at, you know, there's a, I gave a, I was, did a presentation at GW, uh, a hospital last week with another guy and, and he shared something that I had, I, re, I had met these folks a long time. I don't know. Do you know Benjamin Zander? Do you know the book, The Art of I don't Possibility? Think so, no. Probably one of the best. No best kind of personal development books. I actually have it right okay. here. Um, it's uh, Roseman Zander and Benjamin Zander. And you can find some. He did, oh, okay. he did a TED Talk one time. Okay. You know, one of the ones that I really, one of the messages in the book that I really love is it's like, hey, when we, when we make a mistake, why don't we just go, how fascinating. Like, you know, we all do it. Mm -hmm. But instead of beating it up, just look at that. I did it again. Mm -hmm. How fascinating. Look at it. I mean, <laughs> look at it. Here you are again. You teach resilience. And guess what? You're not doing any of the things you said this week. <laughs> and this opposed to looking at it as like a, a failure instead of looking at it like a failure in performance. Right? Because mm. there's the there's a there's a differentiation. Differentiation. You're the wordsmith here. Mm. What's the word I'm trying to say? No, that's it. Yeah, okay. you know, you're good. <laughs> you're good. In, like I am a failure and I had a failure in performance. So it's mm, like we all yep. commit to do certain things like, hey, I commit mm -hmm. to writing a certain amount or producing a certain amount of income for my business and then right. produce the results. And so if I don't produce the result I committed to, it doesn't mean that I am a failure. It means I had a failure in performance. And I think that's a mm. huge difference. And then... You know, you just look at it again and say, okay, great. So what do I need to do now? And what do I need to put in to improve my performance in the future? And then there's yeah. no judgment because that's about the future. And that's about something I can right. do something about. And don't get me wrong. I, I work as a speaker and I'll get a negative survey. And there's always like 400 surveys. And then I'll get two where someone really <laughs> didn't like me. <laughs> right? and, it's like, and, and then I'll focus on, on those. those. Say, okay, wait a second. Then over years, I'm like, okay, you got 98, or if it's 100, 98 great surveys, and yeah. it was awesome. And then there's two people like we should have used that money on a new van for our business instead of him, right, <laughs> or something oh, like that. Geez. And it's like, okay, fair enough. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. But then looking at, <laughs> hey, great, it's easy to focus on that gap, but when mm -hmm. I do. I miss everything I did accomplish. And that's a disservice, yeah. you know, to ourselves. Yeah. 
No, I'm having a very eerie flashback right now to this morning when I actually was in a therapy session and or midday and um it, that that exact same idea came up in a different context that my therapist was talking about how when you have that one bad interaction, the one interaction, that's not called it bad, but that it, it makes you feel a certain way, it makes you feel defensive, it makes you feel uh, invalidated or, or whatever it may be. Then there's all the other things you have going on, all the other resources you have, all the other ways in which you're excelling, and you forget them in an instant. And you focus just on that one thing that really just rubbed you the wrong way. And it's something that we all seem to do. And it's just like it's a reflex. Well, and, it's, and we're designed that way, right? Mm. Like there's some research that I use in one of my workshops. And, and I end up, I, I don't even know when I got introduced. Guy named uh, Richard Boyatvitz wrote a book called Resonant mm. Leadership. And there's a model that, and I don't think I, I didn't see it in his book. I got it afterwards. I saw some talk with him. And he was talking about, he's like, when we are in a state of stress, it triggers the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight response. And of course, when right. that happens, we're, we're scanning for threats. And so when right. that person cuts us off or that person doesn't like our opinion or, you know, interrupts us when we're, you know, trying to share something that we think is a contribution, then all of a sudden it triggers that, that fight or flight response. And we're, what he said that really stuck out to me goes... Like we can sleep and sleep and sleep and still wake up feeling exhausted because sleep takes care of our body, but not our mind. And he goes, the only thing that gets us out of that stress response is when we redirect our attention and trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. And they said hmm. to, in order to trigger the renewal cycle, there were four things. It was mindfulness, hope, compassion, and fun and laughter. And I love that because you can't be hmm. laughing and angry at the same time. Right. They're, they're incompatible emotions, right? right. Or you can't be grateful and, um, and envious at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. could be at two seconds later, but you can't be at the same <laughs> right. time. And so it's like right. this thought of, Hey, if I'm going to only focus on the things that I didn't do, right. All I have to do is I have to refocus to, okay, I didn't get this done. So what could, what did I get done? What did I accomplish mm -hmm. this week? right? At work, at home and things yeah. like that. So that I'm consciously saying, okay, well, I did accomplish this. Well, I did accomplish this because I can focus on all the things I didn't do. There's a lot of people out there that have done a heck of a lot more than I have in my life. And if I look at what they did, then my list is very mm. short of what I've accomplished. <laughs> but if I look at what I have accomplished, right, then right, that may right. be like, okay, you know what? You got this done. You know, this thing happened today. Like I got an article published in online in Harvard Business Review today. If you had told my special education teacher in um, elementary, middle, or high school or college right. that I would write for Harvard Business View, they would turn over in their grave, right? And I'm right. like, that's a huge thing. I haven't written a book. Right. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, yeah. Christian got a book done and he's pitching a thing. What have I done? It's like... But then, but then, and, it, and it's, that's that, um, that hedonic treadmill, right? And that's why you see people who pursue nothing but wealth as a form of fulfillment, they never feel fulfilled because as soon as you reach the next plateau, you then acclimate to that. Your your expectations about life become what you've already attained and then it never is enough. I, I think about that all the time. I've it's that 
the the book you just you know mentioned that's been something i've been chewing over and working on and researching and writing for years and yet i still beat myself up like oh you still don't have that done it's still not published yet it's like how many people by my current age who also have a child that they're raising and a full-time job and 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 are also in their evenings and nights writing a damn book <laughs> I mean, like, I that's a you lot of extra work. <laughs> you still tell me how fast you can pump out an article. I'm like, that article right here, I'm like, that takes me, like, sometimes multiple days, and you knock out an article in an hour. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Yeah. But but here's the thing, is, is then I have to recharge, because that's even within the scope of my professional work, let alone like doing the dishes, putting my kid to bed, making sure he finished his homework, like forget all that, just in terms of my work, there's still everything else. There's going to client calls and meetings and everything else you've got to do. And then by the end of the day, you're like, your brain kind of like a muscle, like, great, you went to the gym, but now it's, <laughs> it needs a break, you know? Um, and I will say this, it, there's, um, and this goes back to the whole issue of how you talk to yourself and how you perceive yourself. Yeah. I have to give myself some credit because what I've done for years has been, oh, well, you know, I'm not that good with money because I was terrible at math because I didn't learn it at school the right way and all, you know, down this negative rabbit hole. Well, what about your writing? Well, anybody can write. No, they can't. <laughs> no, they can't. I would, but we do I this thing where it's <laughs> percent of what you have when it comes to pace, like I, and I think that's the importance of when we talk about community is mm -hmm. that it's really important to realize that if we stay in our own head by ourselves, a mentor of mine had a great line. It's like the mind's a dangerous place. Don't go in there by yourself. And that's why oh. I think I love that line because we need to be out in the world where people and we need to be out in the world and surrounded by people who see what's extraordinary about us and our gifts and our contributions. Mm. And I think that's why mm -hmm. I am, I am very, very selective of the people that I invite into my life because mm. I want to make sure that those conversations I'm in and I spend my day in are ones that I'm uplifted by. And I'm not talking, yeah. we're all going to talk about like, you know, butterflies and rainbows and stuff, but it's, <laughs> I want to be surrounded by people who are up to things in their life that are doing things yeah. that, I enjoy the conversations and it's not gossip because, you know, like our diet, what we put in, put into our mind through our eyes and ears impacts how we feel too. And I, during the pandemic, I had a couple people in my life that I realized I'm like, I can't be in conversations with these people anymore. And it was yeah. hard to do that, but I had to choose that. Yeah. because I realized that the folks I was interacting with were just takers and that yeah. they'd be calling me drunk. And then, you know, they were going through stuff and, you know, it's like, yeah. I want to be supportive, but there's a certain point where I need to also take care of myself first and take yeah. care of my immediate family. And then there's those people who are external who, you know what, do I enjoy when I get into conversations with this person? And if not, maybe I need to think about, am I going to make time in my life and in my mind for them? You know, yeah. I think that's an important boundary that we have to set to also think about, you know, how do we protect the world we're in? Because that's what allows me to to show up for my daughter, to show up for my wife, and to most importantly show up for myself. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an excellent point. I mean, for me, it's it's kind of weird. I've, I've heard um, similar things to that before too about you know kind of curating who you have in your life and and do they contribute? Um, 
It's funny though, because, and this is something that I've been dealing with a lot recently, that I really have been quite fortunate on that front where I, I don't feel as though there are a lot of folks in my life who should not be in my life. Yeah. I mean, really, um, I am, uh, well, I say that in terms of the, the, the time in my life in which I find myself right now. I will say that in my early adulthood and ever since then, I have been out of touch, no contact with an entire branch of blood relatives. I, yeah. I, they might not recognize me if they were to see me today. It's been that long. Yeah. Um, and so I realized that there's a, you know, a need for that, especially when you're talking about matters of abuse or um, really bad dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, again, I think like the, the crazy thing that I've, I've learned just in reflection and therapy is that, okay, you can, you know, have um, some of the people that should not be in your life, you know, taken out of your life. But then again, if you're not working on yourself, you can just as easily inside that dangerous mind of yours, um, create your own living nightmare, uh, just by not looking for what you need, not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and and sort of those things you were talking about, just like the, the basic self care and looking for warning signs and looking for how to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were not raised to do that, which I don't think that I was, and a lot of people weren't, then how do you even know where to start? And I think that that's what's so important. And, and I think that we, you know, I had a, I had a, my father was a gym teacher, you know, mm-hmm. was a person who was exercising, going for runs, but he also worked three different jobs. You know, mm-hmm. he was a gym teacher and you can't, you know, take care of a family of three on, on that salary. I think his, yeah. his salary, when he yeah. passed away, I think his salary was like $42,000 a year after 32 years. You know, it's like, oh. think about that. You know, it's like yeah. 32 years of work. And I think you're around like in your early 40, 40,000, you know, so he had a, he had yeah. an ice cream business. He had a landscaping business. He painted houses, mm-hmm. you know, it's all these different things. And I would come home and he'd be taking a 10 minute nap on the floor in the living room. You know, it's like, that's what I saw. It was yeah. work, 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 you know? And so you, you see that as a model of you just have to work hard, right? And then you can yeah. do it, but that's not necessarily, you know, emulating some of the other people. Emulating, is that the word? Ameliorating, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think I make up words that sound like the word I want to say. <laughs> um, thank God. No, you know, you, that's that's twice now. You're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds like the right word. It may not be. Uh, yeah. You can auto-correct me afterwards. So, exactly. We'll, um, just, we'll, we'll, we'll edit it later. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, I think that it's, you know, we see that and then we have to question, you know, like I think about like our mind is kind of like an operating system. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you think about it and it's like, hey, we develop an operating system with a kid's brain. And mm-hmm. then that brain teaches us how to survive. And depending on your childhood, like I got bullied a lot in school and had a lot of harassment. So mm-hmm. I built you know, these different yeah. things that would allow me to create community, but at the same time, allow me to keep myself feeling what I thought was safe. And then those rules got me so far. And then there's a certain point where that operating system, like if I was still using DOS right now to try to run this computer, <laughs> it wouldn't work. You know what DOS is, which is great. <laughs> it's, right. And then if I was trying to see op- colon forward slash, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would never survive that. But if I was trying to operate my iPhone using like iOS two, well, it wouldn't right. work. And so it's like, we're constantly having to look at what's the latest update based on where we are in our life and our new points of reference. And then thinking about, okay, what are those base functionalities that I need? It's going to always have to be plugged in. It's always going to, have to be charging. 
there's certain mm-hmm. things that bring me joy. There's certain things that don't bring me joy. How do I maximize the things that do and spend as much time in those discomfort that challenges us, that pushes us, that, mm-hmm. you know, because I also feel like I, I heard the other day and, and I think on this subject, one thing I really liked is they said around anxiety is the best way to combat anxiety is to mm-hmm. do the very things that make you anxious. Because as yeah. soon as you accomplish that thing that you think you can't do, mm-hmm. then the anxiety that you can't do it, it doesn't go away, but it gets smaller. And the more yeah. experience you have doing that thing, like the less you have the concern you're not going to be able to do it. I I wish someone had told me that when I was in my early 20s and dealing with like severe, severe anxiety yeah. and a lot of self-doubt. And I think about the years of my career and earning potential that, frankly, I lost because I was avoiding situations that, in hindsight, I totally could have handled. Yeah. And... um then there are people it's, you know, it's done in Kruger, right? And then you have people who it is all balls and less brains or no brains sometimes who are just like, no, I'm going to go ahead and do it because screw it. I can do it. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll just do it. And then there you are missing an opportunity. And here's the other thing too. That's kind of the, the flip side of that is that when you don't face down that, which gives you anxiety, you not only miss the opportunity, the anxiety gets worse. It snowballs. At least it has. It did for me for many, many years, and it, it's it. It doesn't seem to stop. It just gets worse and worse. I, um, you know, I started doing um, commentary on on TV back in. I guess I would say I would say it was 2016, maybe two, no, yeah, 2016, mm-hmm. and then stopped doing it for a while, and then started back up, and I've been doing some. Um, the one that I keep getting called back to do is for French and Canadian TV as well, talking about sort of American public affairs and things like that, because like, we can do it in English or in French. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I first started doing those TV appearances, they were often remote, they were Skype, they were Zoom, whatever. And clients would see excerpts or friends would see clips or whatever, and they would say to me, Oh my God, how did you do that? You seemed like so calm. You know, you were whatever age, you were 30 doing this and you seemed, I was like, I'll tell you what I did. Um, I almost threw up in the bathroom beforehand. I wiped the sweat off my face with, you know, a cold (laughs) washcloth, Um, you know, straightened my tie, threw on a jacket and just tried. And the more I did that, even though I could feel my heart up here in my throat, my heart rate was probably 120 beats per minute, if not more. Uh, But every single time I did it, that got lesser and lesser and lesser. Until now, it's like really the biggest concern I have when I do get a call, hey, can you do this half hour spot? Is I'm looking more at my meeting schedule. Like literally, can I fit it in? Because you have so much experience having done that thing that it no longer, I mean, me as speaking engagements, I'm like, I'm right. really nervous every time. I always am. Right. I'm always worried I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm mess it up. And then when the actual event happens, I don't, I have never had one event that 
I, well, I did actually, funny enough, the last event I had, but that was because I was on my sixth session because it was a nonprofit and I was trying to help them out. And then my brain shut right. down and I was like, folks, I'm going to reschedule this. We're going to do it Zoom. I'm like, I have nothing left now. But that was because I went beyond my limit. And that, that's right. the video that, I, that you saw was after that event. Um, but yeah, I'm like, but I don't have any, I'm like, I go through that anxiety every single time, but I have enough, you know, it's, do you know the concept of fact checking? Have you ever heard in of journalism? No. So fact checking, when we come up against our anxiety or a mm -hmm. moment where our mind is spinning out of control is we yeah. fact check off of past experience. So the same way you oh, okay. fact check an article to make sure that the argument that they're making is based in something, you're fact checking, right. you know, it's like, Hey, you know, it's like, for me, it's like over the last couple of years working as a speaker, my business has gone like this. You know, I, I speak mm -hmm. at large, large events and a pandemic hit. <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. everything yeah. appeared overnight. And you know, right. well, that year, you know, I had no business for like four months and, you know, okay, it made sense. And then I Gosh. had one of my best years, you know, cause I wrote a book of virtual team building and I pivoted. And then right. this year, my year started out and it was absolutely horrible. And I thought I was going to throw in the mm -hmm. tile and, oh my God, I can't do this. And I go right. through this. And then I have to, each time I get there, it's like, Hey, Chris, have you ever been out on the street? Has it ever not come back together again? You know, right. or every time I'm going in, hey, how many times have you submitted an article to HBR and they said, no, we're not going to take it? Do you know how many times? Zero. And every single right. time they're going to say no. And you know what? Every single time it goes in and ends up being one of the more popular articles. And it's like, you know what? It's, it's time to stop using the concern to not take the action and instead realize, yeah. well, I got more points of reference that say I'll be successful than ones that tell me that I won't. Yeah. And yet we still like concoct these whole stories that drive ourselves insane about how we can't do it. or It's going to be overwhelming or it's, it's too much. And then, yeah, I mean, e and like, even let's just say we don't have your amazing rate of success, getting things into Harvard business review for yeah. publication, right? Even still, Here's the other important thing. Even if you got a rejection letter, it's not a death sentence. Oh my it's God, not, no. It's not living out on the street. It's like, sorry, maybe next time. It's Even, not, it's- It's a failure performance. And it's just that yeah. day. And that's just, and, and I use that example. And thank you for, thank you for pointing that out. I had that success rate because I put a lot of freaking time into these things. And right, I know exactly right. what they want. And so I know how to write for something that they're going to want. Now- other areas, how many times I've submitted proposals to speak at certain conferences? I got one that I haven't gotten into like seven times, right? And mm. it's like, okay, would I be a perfect for their conference? I think so. Well, they haven't so far. And then there's mm. other ones that are a hit. And I think it's 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 looking at – and there was – I don't know if it was – I think it was Ryan Holiday. I can't remember who it was. But he was saying, he's like, if you want to improve your ability and your effectiveness, you should do one thing that makes you really uncomfortable every day. Whether that's doing mm -hmm. push-ups or that's doing sit-ups or one thing that's hard because that's what trains our brain to have more points of reference that we can do hard things. And so when other hard yeah. things come up, um, then we have those points of reference. Yeah. No, that's a really excellent point. Because I, I even think about that, you know, right before we started recording, we were talking about just um, – you know, me pitching a manuscript and all that's gone into that. And I, I think about it and, you know, 
how would I even have the confidence to go and like develop this queue of all these pre-scheduled emails to go out to different folks, strangers, all of them, yep. asking them for their time, asking them for their consideration, asking them for a phone call, mm -hmm. attaching a whole bunch of my work where it's my own product in my name. There's no company name in front of it. There's no brand. Name. It is just putting me personally out there. How would I even, is it because I'm brash and going to, not at all. It's because every single day at work, just about, I have to pitch an editor on this or a journalist on that or whatever. It's just, you get so, you start off and you're you're riddled with anxiety the same way I was starting to be on camera. And then at a certain point, you're like, yeah, you know what? They tell me to go to hell, then I'll talk to somebody else. I, you know, at a certain point, you kind of just, I don't want to say you become numb to it. There are still some, some things that will hurt or that will be disappointing, but you realize that that's all they are and that what you're feeling is just that it's a feeling and it will pass you'll you will get to the other side of it and there's always there's always another one right like and that's that reminder right. to me it's like hey i didn't you know there's so many things in my life that i wanted that didn't happen when i wanted them to happen and yeah. then there are the other things that still happen and the things that i really care about did get done right like and what i mean that is like there's, you know, I said I wanted to work at this one camp at one point in time that was a, a, a cross-border dialogue camp. And mm -hmm. I really wanted to work there. And I didn't get there the first summer that I did. And I couldn't do it. And I didn't qualify. And then three years later, I did. And it's like, if I yeah. really care about it, then I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And if I don't really care about it, then it really isn't that important. You know? And yeah. it's like, I don't know about you, my yeah. priorities shifted a lot. Now I'm just kind of maximizing. I'm like, I've watched too many movies where parents show up and are like later on where it's like, I wish I had spent more time with my kids, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah. I don't, yeah. a couple, I don't know, months ago, I was thinking about my year and I'm like, my daughter's eight years old, almost eight years old. Mm -hmm. I've got maybe not even 10 years, nine years left before she's out of the house. <sighs> Exactly. I had that same thought because our kids are the same age. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I'm like, so how do I maximize? I want to grow my business. I want to develop it. I want to work hard. I want to make certain things happen. I also want to make sure that I do that in such a way that I get to be here when she comes home from school, that I can go and play exactly. soccer with her in front of our house each yep. night, then go to her games yep. and not be there all the time because I don't think that's healthy either. But I do want to be in her life and to be able to be there for those key moments. Um, and yeah. not have woken up and be like, I was never present because I was working too hard. I'm like, we've seen that story right. too many times. It's kind of silly to not, yeah. you know, and it's like the one about our health, like, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I, I even think about when it comes to work too, we have this obsession that, um, you know, it's going to be this sort of steady trajectory, this very progressive incline that you're going to start here and work your... I think about things that I was so stressed about work-wise when my son was only a couple of years old. And you know, like I said, he's they're the same age. Our kid's yeah. eight years old. And I can't even remember right now the specifics of what I was so goddamn worried about five years ago. Yeah. I mean, like, rough outlines, sure. Like, you know... Yeah. Something to do probably with time and money. I mean, go figure, right? But I mean, did it actually in the grand scheme of things matter? Can I draw that straight line, that straight diagonal from what I was working on then to what I'm working on now and how my 
stressing out and going into a rabbit hole mentally, how that correlates to how I got to where I am now? No, not, not in the slightest. So not that the work doesn't matter. You have to work hard and you have to work smart, but it's also like you have to be aware of the fact that it's not going to be this, this steady incline, this steady progression. And at the end of the day, you're going to probably forget a lot about what you did at work 10, 20, 30 years in the past, Can but you, you remember when you didn't adult work children? last week? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. I can't and, but, remember but, what I did but, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I was, I was seriously, I was, I was at, what was it like six o'clock today? I was, we, we were doing, I was doing billable hours and, um, cause I still have to do some of those. It's fun. Um, but, um, I was trying to think, I knew I was super busy from nine to 10 this morning. The details of what though, I'm going back in my outbox of my outlook and trying to figure out exactly. It doesn't, it, those things in the grand scheme of things are not what's most important. But I will say this, every single time I go and watch my son practice his martial arts down at his the, the studio he goes to, every single time he looks at those giant windows and when no one else is looking, he makes sure he mouths to me, I love you. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's something you'll never That's forget. something, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And normally too, like there's a certain point right now where I don't know if, you know, with your phone, I got an iPhone and so like my Apple photos or whatever, like will show photos from like three years ago will pop up and I'll see oh, yeah. her at like two and I'm like, yeah. how has she grown so much? Like, cause right now it's yeah. like, you see that difference and it's like, you know, I'm like every time that I go and I think, you know, and this is one of the gifts that I got from, you know, losing my dad at like 21 years old was, it was very suddenly it was a brain aneurysm and that oh. reminder that, hey, it could be gone tomorrow. It's really yeah, right. not worth it. And so each yeah. time I'm like, I don't want to read you a book. I just want to just go to freaking bed. And I do have those <laughs> days. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, I read you a book. Like we watched, we watched Great British Take Off today. Like enough. Okay, it's time to go off. Because I need that time for me. You know, it's not every single day. But then I try to always keep on bringing myself. Yeah. Back. Like, is it not worth it to be in bed with my wife at night, if she was passed away tomorrow, you know, and it's like, this yeah. is, I don't sit there and sit in this dark mindset of people dying all the time. But I also feel like thinking about losing people reminds us also to appreciate that and not yeah. to be like, Oh my God, what if I lose them? But just like, it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, this could be the last moment. You know, if this was what I'd be yeah. happy with how I, how I was with this person today. And for me, it's yeah. just kind of that little like just check in to bring myself back up to what's really important when I start spinning out of control and peanut buttering, <laughs> you know, or you know, baby carroting. That was a that was a one that my friend gave me as a good tool. He's like, if you're gonna binge eat, just always have baby carrots in the house so that you just start eating carrots and your eyesight's better. You, at least. you know. You know <laughs> I, you, this this reminds me of, of a conversation I've had several times over with my my own mother who her thing is not peanut butter it's chocolate I'm like I I hear you and it's empty calories but you're talking about it like it's moonshine or heroin like yeah. if that's your worst vice yeah and you're aware of it and you're like curbing that yeah. then I think you're you're gonna you're be okay. okay you're you're gonna be fine right yeah. but you know it's it's interesting you you mentioned the whole thing about 
you know, sort of, I guess you could say memento more, right? Like, rem like reminding yourself that you're not going to be here forever, that your spouse, your child. But to me, it's not just about that. I think about when you're saying just that, not fear, but that awareness of loss. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be lost to death. It can be lost to divorce. It can be, in the case of your children, Any lost loss. to them just aging out of childhood and being adults themselves and being out of the house. Yeah. And wanting to be present and be better in the way that we treat ourselves and our in each other and the time we spend together. I know that I am not proud of the way I've done that in the past. That's a huge part of why I'm in therapy now mm -hmm. is to do better at that going forward. Because I, mm -hmm. I, you know, shed many a tear over that realization, but I can't go back and change the past. All I can do is, is you know, change the future by changing my behavior in the present. I will say, though, there's a story that you told me. It might have been the day that we met, in fact. I don't know if you remember this. But anytime I feel bad that I didn't do something that I sh I feel like I should have done with my son when he was three, four, five years old, and I didn't have any extra money, and mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just working too hard. You told me the story. Did you remember this about uh, you were living in, I think it was Australia, and you, you were flying somewhere on vacation, and you told me Keep that the going. only I'm, thing I'm, I'm trying to know what story you're talking about, but yeah. So you were talking about how you you booked this vacation to bring your your daughter, and you and your wife and your daughter all like flew somewhere. It was between like South America and Australia. You were it was, flying. We lived in Chile, and we were going to Australia. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And at the end of the trip, the thing that she, she remembered was remembered the, the was, iPad and the sweets. Yes. Yes, or there was is the iPad in the sweets, or like it was the movie you watched on the flight, or something like it was. Something she didn't like remember. Totally... She doesn't remember anything from the trip. Like we did all this work for it, and the only thing she remembers is the like the gummy worms that were in the container in the lobby of the hotel, and being able to watch Paw Patrol on the on the fourteen hour plane ride. They don't. They're not gonna remember that. No, but I mean, I, I got to tell you, it was it was a silly story. At least the way you told it was yeah. very funny when I when we were hanging out and talking. Yeah. But the number of times I've pulled that story back up in my mind to remind myself, like, hang on, like, yes, you only have you know maybe ten years left of your son being under your own roof. That being said, you had a lot of freedom for trial and error those first five years because you know, you know my daughter, yeah. my daughter, like, we moved when she was five from Chile back to the u.s yeah and she doesn't remember anything from back then and so those That's first amazing. few years and it's like kind of a waste to go on vacation then you know it's maybe for more for yeah. parents but they don't know but i'm like what i do know is it's like the moments now matter mm -hmm. and still yeah. i'm like how many interactions do you remember with your parents growing up like I can remember like maybe five or six kind of key moments. Other than that, I don't mm. remember what happened day to day. Largely my parents weren't around much, but you know, mm. it was, um, I can't say I remember a ton. I remember, you know, I don't even Well, remember. yeah. I mean, my, a lot of my Since childhood could have, I was going to say, I think a lot of my childhood, um, could have played out on the soundstage of Jerry Springer or Maury Povich's show. So 
I think my memory, I, there's a, there's yeah, a, the, the a book or painfully you wish it wasn't so exciting <laughs> life. And there's, there's exactly, there's, there's a couple of books worth of memories that I, I can pull up, but I think it's not for the reasons that I want well, them but the, to be. And, and those, <laughs> if those are the interactions then it, you know, it, it yeah. impacts obviously how you relate to. Yeah. Yeah. It's true though, but it, it is funny because, um, you know, I, it's the algorithms, right? The more you, you focus on something that you're, you're learning about or you're watching a lot of, yeah. the more it feeds that back to you on YouTube or Facebook or, or whatever platform yeah. you're on, right? Yeah. But since really focusing on therapy the past couple of months, I'm getting a lot more of, you know, different licensed therapists. So they're promoting their practice on social media by, yeah. you know, top five signs of whatever and, and things like that. So I keep on getting sort of those things. And it reminds me of, you know, because some of the stereotypes or the cliches are kind of true, right? That a lot of people who are very funny are funny because it's a coping mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. Or a lot of people who are good writers are good writers because of past traumas and things like that. So it's always, it cracks me up to see that now being validated by actual therapists because always in my professional life, it's like, oh, well, you're a writer. And it's like, yeah, guess why? <laughs> you know, it's, there's, there's a backstory. I'm like, I got into international conflict resolution because my parents got divorced. And I couldn't get them back together. And then, mm, you know, in a yeah. leadership development program I was in, somebody called me on it and I was like, and it just, it messed with my head for a long time because I was like, well, I got into this, but I got into this for, to try to resolve something I'm never going to resolve that happened. Right you know, 15, 20 years prior at that point in time. Yeah. But then I realized, I was like, well, you know what? I got really good at something because of this. So yeah. now I developed yeah. the skill. Like I would not be able to facilitate and work with groups and, you know, create the spaces that I do if I hadn't had those experiences. And that being picked mm -hmm. on and being bullied, like, it's funny. I had one of those moments like out of a movie where I called up a guy who, you know, bullied me a lot my freshman year of high school. And I actually called him up and had really? a conversation with him. He, really? Yeah, he connected with me on on Facebook. And when he did, I was like, I just like sent a message like, why were you such an asshole with me back in high school? Like this. And he goes, I deserve that. And then I didn't talk to him for a year. And then one day, I don't know what triggered it, but I was like, I reached out to him and I was like, it doesn't, it's not worth, mm -hmm. you know what it was that, that, that triggered it is I was running a workshop and I mm -hmm. always had one person in my workshop that had a certain attitude that was kind of like back like this and like not interested. And I was like, yeah. who, who is that? Like, who is that for me? And I realized it was this person and finally reached out. And then by the time we had a call, we hopped on the phone and we had this great call and conversation. He's like, man, he's like, I can't, you know, wow. justify anything like that, that I did or anything like that. He's like, I was going through a lot of my parents. It was drugs, everything that was going on. And I had to move away from the town because of that. And I was like, yeah. thanks, man. And we both, you know, I'm like, I see him on Facebook. And like, as soon as that was done that night and we had the conversation, it was just like, and then it was yeah. done. And then that person stopped showing up in my workshops, which was kind of cool. Wow. Because once yeah. you complete that thing and it's gone, yeah. then it's gone. Right. And it's kind of yeah. like, for me, it's like, you know, my, my grandma, I've come to terms with the fact that I, I, I'll always have horrible grammar and spelling. It's just going to be there. But it's like once I came mm -hmm. to terms with it, I'm like, hey, you know what? It's time to give up the identity that you're you're stupid and you're in special yeah. education. Like, okay, I've done it. It's it's there. I'm like, I write for 
Harvard Business. Like I, I say that because that for me is the contrast between who I was, you know, sure. and it's like, okay, time to complete this. It's time to give that up because all I get out of that is to be right that there's something wrong with me opposed to choosing mm-hmm. this is who I am and owning that because it's a disservice if I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw, um, I, I can't think of whose podcast it was pulled from, but I saw a clip recently of um, the British comedian Jimmy Carr talking about exactly how we get that wrong in our adolescence and childhood in school. That, you know, in the early years, like, yes, you need to be a generalist and, and learn everything. But where we really get it wrong is as we get older in our education, still trying to do a little bit of everything. Like, if you were a great writer, yeah. you should be focusing on that even at a young age. Yeah. You don't need to pursue, like, every single high school, you you have to go through maybe in a full four years of every single subject, but at least like two or three in everything from a foreign language to chemistry and physics and math. I knew by the time I was 12 years old, I will need someone to help me with a checking account and taxes. Like I, I, that is like, I knew that when I was 12, I'm like, this is nope. Um, writing was not necessarily the easiest thing for me either. You know, when you're that young, you're still learning a lot about grammar and nuance mm-hmm. and all that. So there was still a lot of work. There was a lot of red ink. I was not skating yep. through at all, but something was clicking, right? Things were working. And it was actually learning a foreign language that allowed me to see my own native language by a whole through a whole different lens. Yeah. And then everything clicked and I could just kind of move right ahead. But my big thing was always social sciences. It was it was history, it was government, it was it was learning different cultures, and that was the thing. But then why are we feeling bad about ourselves? And, and you know, in your case it would be spelling and grammar and, and you've mentioned twice now, like, did I get that word right? Things like it's clearly still something. And for me, I still like the other night my son came home and he had his very twenty first century math homework. Only third grade, but he's he's showing me the problems. I'm like, okay, so we line it up like this. He's like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? And he's showing me how to like do this bunny hop thing to like do this new kind of math that we didn't learn in the you know twentieth century. And I'm sitting there going like this. This doesn't feel great. This is bringing back flashbacks to me getting, you know, D's and F's in math. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we do it all the time. We focus on that the, that that we we grew up being told or feeling or learning that we just weren't good at, that we wouldn't ever overcome. You get to a point where as you're sharing that what was was it's having me think of the fact that it's like you're kind of told that this is what success is. And we're looking for mm-hmm. measures externally that this is what you're supposed to accomplish. You're supposed to have a house and a Tesla and uh, whatever those things are, those measures of success are. Right. And then at some point you realize that somebody else's measure for su- success is not what you want. It's like, wait a second. Do I really need that? Mm-hmm. Is that what I want? What do I want? Yeah. And yeah. I remember one thing that, you know, when I was, you know, I was not quick to go through college. You know, I did AmeriCorps mm-hmm. after high school because I didn't want to go. Then I did two years of school. Then my dad passed away. And so I left school. And then by the time I went back, everybody else had already graduated that I went to high school with. And I'm like, looking, I, mm-hmm. I, for me, I'm always looking at what other people are doing. And I was like, right. nobody's working in their degree. So why do I need to study, yeah. what, you know, what people are studying? And if nobody, <laughs> if they study business and now they're working in nursing, why should I study this? So instead, why don't I just pick all the classes I want? And 
because I took so long to get there, I also got to watch people trip and fall and then not trip Mm -hmm. over the same place they did. And I feel like, Um, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm always watching. And then I look and I'm kind of like, hey, someone just did this. And then they decided it was a really bad idea. So instead of me going down that route, and maybe I'm too cautious sometimes, but I'm like, Hey, someone just spent, you know, a year and a half and $50,000 to create a online course. And then they sold a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to choose maybe not to go down yeah. that path. And so maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go not. this way. And so it's kind of like watching. I'm like, I'm going to learn from what you do. And I'm going to pick those actions that feel right for me and work for me. But I don't know. It's like, I just am really conscious of like, Hey, we only have so much time. So what do I want my yeah. days to look like and how do I design it in a way that allows me to take care of myself and have the results that I want to have in my life, you know, at the same time, yeah. which I think is that that's difficult of, because, well, I just said that that's, that's difficult because, uh, for, for people who grew up in a certain social class, you might be taught that from, or at the very least by example, yeah. right. Seeing other people who they chose very much how they live their days, but for 90 plus percent oh. of us, that's survive that's not how you're brought up yeah exactly it's it's some version of survival right i mean to learn in adulthood it's painful (laughs) well and i think it's it's um there's something about like hey what are those things that i need to do and i think that there's an element of like bringing consciousness to what you're doing right and it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. thinking about like if i was to say there was one theme of everything we're talking about is are we making conscious choices in our lives right and many Mm -hmm. times you know I used to work in a hospital and all of Mm -hmm. the people who were working in many of the entry level positions that I was trying to help move up the kind of job path within the hospital. Well, most of the people were just struggling to pay their bills because they were making, you know, $25,000 a year. And we were trying to get people back to school because once somebody had a degree and had many times, it was the first person in the family to get a degree. But once somebody had a degree, the likelihood of other people within that same family getting a degree went up by like 80% because they didn't yeah. the path that it's possible. And then when somebody yeah. all of a sudden goes, I don't know about you, but it's like the first time that you earned more than $30,000. You're like, wait a second. I, <laughs> I can buy groceries. I can, I can pay rent and I don't have right. to work right. the other jobs to do it. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, and it's coming every month. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize, and that's that, you know, the, the conversation around privilege is the privilege of not having to worry about that ever in your life yeah. to then all of a sudden having the first time where you get that and then realize what life can be like when you have that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And and it's also just having the, the examples. I mean, there's the, the mythology in America about the bootstraps and all this crap that desperation creates. And that's not true. I mean, I, I look at how I navigated things like higher education and getting an advanced degree and all these things. And it was not because I was, you know, toiling in a mine at the age of 10. I'm like, well, I got to get out somehow. I'm going to do it. No, it's because I saw adults, maybe not in my household, But in the world around me who were doing things that I thought were admirable, well, how did they do that? And having that example and being, you know, just having, seeing that there is opportunity there by being exposed to people who are doing great things. Well, that goes back to that, that surrounding who we surround ourselves by. And that's, 
mm-hmm. one thing that you know i'm i'm always thinking of i'm like hey who are my community of people that i'm seeing and am i around people that are further ahead than where i am in my business and this is specifically around my business and the work i do that i see them like oh my god you did what you're charging what yeah. you're you know it's like and i realize oh that's possible Okay, so let me try mm-hmm. that. Or you've done what? Or like being around, I mean, I, and this is a challenge, being around couples that have, you know, positive relationships, you know? And it's like, that was not my family growing up all the time. You know, it's like- I got to tell you, that's one of the big ones for me that I still am, like, I, I still think about all the time because I have, so my parents, bad news, right? They're, they're marriage and divorce. Uh, I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. I, I got married and divorced very young. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, all of my mother's siblings, all married, um, most, no, pretty much all, I think literally all at this point, just about all of my friends are in like amazing marriages. I mean, like, look, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. I get that. Like everybody's got their things, whatever, but like, there's no thing as a perfect marriage. (laughs) Exactly. But I'm talking like from my perspective, from what I grew up with, like, absolutely admirable relationships it's like oh like it's possible it's work but it it does provide goals and something to to work for to achieve right it's a, yeah. it's a positive example out there in the world yeah yeah and, and that's that being able to see that it's like oh that's possible and that's one of the greatest gifts i yeah. got when i met my wife is that she was from a different family structure than i was you know and it was like yeah. She was from a different, you know, our kids were in the French school together and it was like, you know, that's a very different learning environment than I grew up in, you know? And so there was a different way that she related to doing work and studying and very organized. And that was not how I was and still not most of the time. But it's like to be around people that operate that way, it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could have a little bit more order and structure in my plans in my day. I could have more intentionality around my eating, right? I could have, you know, not schedule every single minute and flit off because all of a sudden it's like, oh, shiny thing, right? right? And go that way, (laughs) right? right? Opposed to having that structure. And I think that's, you know, the privilege of being around people that kind of call us into a different different level of operating than, than we do ourselves. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting point because you talk about different family structure. I, as a teenager, at a certain point, swore off the idea of ever even trying to have a family. And not that I didn't have some missteps on my first try, but yeah. um, it, the only thing that I think even made that attempt possible was living outside this country at a young age with an entirely different family. Yeah. And seeing at, at a dinner table at night, seeing a family laugh together, seeing the siblings not only not beating each other and the parents not screaming at each other and tearing the house apart, but laughing together. I was like, where's, where is, where are the cameras? Like, is this like, what is going on? Yeah. But that it was such a disruption to, uh, everything that I knew that I thought was just, that was life. That's all there was. There was nothing that that's just the way things were to see that was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is going to actually, and it did it. It changed my outlook and and has ever since it's been what that's we're going on 20 years this right now, this fall. Um, and that's forever changed my, my outlook on 
personal relationships and and family. It's it's huge being able to get outside the bubble that you grew up in. I want to see to see what's possible, right? Like to see right. that's you know the same to the co- the conversation about about college or seeing people that have done things that you may have not done yet to see it's like if somebody did this then maybe i could do this and then looking at hey you know what okay like i just put myself in a in a leadership development program for the next year i signed up today and it's largely based because you know what i've watched two friends do this and now it's time Mm -hmm. for me to say hey okay i know where my skill gaps are so why don't Mm -hmm. i make the investment to learn not try to figure it out on my own and to go to a place that will get me the support I need because, you know, this is where I realize this is the thing that I'm really good at. I'm not so good at this. So why not get support Mm. with this if I want to go here opposed to sit there and keep on trying to figure out myself and wake up in another 10 years and realize, you know what? And so I think it's, and I'm really proud of my daughter. So she's on the, on the school soccer team and you know, she gets put in defense and she didn't want to play defense in the last couple weekends, you know, these big players come running at her and she gets nervous. And so today mm-hmm. we play for a few minutes every single night and we were playing out in the road while yeah. my wife was making dinner. That sounds very Norman Walkwell. It's not like that all the time, but, um, <laughs> but you know, we go out and we play for like 15 minutes. And so she goes, I yeah. want you Papa to charge at me. Right. And I'm going to be a goal and I'm going to not be scared to come at you. And I'm like, how extraordinary okay. that she heard feedback from her coach to not be scared mm-hmm. and then came out to when we played and said, I want to work on this. And I was like, that's it. You know, it's like seeing mm-hmm. here's, here's the thing that's not working for me. And instead of sitting there and, and feeling bad about it, how do I get better at it? You know, and yeah. I was like, I think we need to take our cues from our kids sometimes on how to approach things, you know? Oh, totally. I think that, you know, there are a lot that we have to teach our kids, obviously, but then there's also a lot of things that come from our kids where they have not yet, yet anyway, been, um, I don't want to go as far as saying corrupted, but their sense of self and their, their sort of baseline has not been altered yet by, um, competition for jobs, corporate America being in, you know, high school and college and all those environments that really do force a young person to change or at least outwardly change who they are, or how they present themselves, all these things. Like my son, when he's had a really busy week at school, like they've had, you know, a whole bunch of math and now he's starting to do violin. He's also in martial arts. Saturday morning, he will sleep in, which I, I am like learning how to sleep in at my current age. I still will by default wake up at like six in the morning on a Saturday ready to do chores. Yeah. Um, he will sleep in. And then go downstairs and snuggle with the dogs and get a throw blanket and like lay on the couch. I'm like, what are you doing? No, oh, I need to relax. It's the weekend. So here I am going to a professional, like a licensed mental health person yeah. talking about all my neuroses and problems and anxiety and depression and all these things. And it's like, have you taken a Saturday morning to flop with your dogs and just watch some TV? No, but my eight-year-old knew to do that yeah. to make himself get re- so get centered. We, we we watch them and also realize it's like, wait a second, like what's what is it? What's driving me to keep on going? And it, mm-hmm. realizing it's like, you know what? Is the world going to collapse? Nope. Yeah. If I, you know, I had a coaching client once who said had a great thing to the point of diminishing returns. She's like, 
is you staying oh, up yeah. to 11 o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning to try to finish this thing really going to speed up. It's going to take you three hours to get something done that will, you'll get done in 20 minutes tomorrow morning when you rested. If you slept right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, believe me, after this podcast, I'm going to turn off all these bright blue light producing photographic lights, <laughs> turn all that off, take a shower, wind down. No. And I'm going to edit this whole thing another time. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's an excellent point that you, there's a point at which, um, you have to stop pushing yourself and start refilling that tank. Yeah. But um, before we do wrap, I do want to kind of bring it all full circle, if I may. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've worked with with people uh, who you're coaching or in, in some of your talks you've given recently? Um, it, just some some good tips, some good pointers on how you can, if you're a very busy person, someone who's not um, able to go and meditate in the middle of the work day, what are some things that we can all do to kind of just top off our tank a little bit and make sure that we're going to be just a little bit more. All right. I think, I think the first question I'd ask is what do you already do? Right. Cause I think mm -hmm. we need to look at what are those things that are already built into our day that don't cost anything that we can do, you know, whether it's yeah. taking, you know, you said, you mentioned you have dogs, whether it's taking your dogs out for a walk or just walking mm -hmm. around the block, like simple things. And I think that you want to be thinking about the actions you take in those four realms of, mindfulness, which is not meditation all the mm -hmm. time, but just, you know, maybe even walking up and looking at the sky or, you know, just consciously mm -hmm. thinking what's going on in my body right now. And, uh, there's another activity. I have a YouTube channel and, um, there's an activity called mental factoring. It's like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. What are the different factors that are going on right now? And how do I break those in just to be aware of what are the things that are impacting how I'm feeling right now? And then if I map mm -hmm. those out, then I can just think of it's like, oh, it makes sense that I'm stressed out right now. I have these 10 things on my plate. Mm -hmm. Which ones can I take an action on? So that's mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to hope, it's getting present to the progress we're making. And we do that by shifting our mental focus away from the things that we didn't do onto things we did. And you can do that by writing a gratitude journal. I do an activity mm -hmm. called the Fantastic Five with my daughter. Um, and this is something that I've just an activity I do in my workshops, which is what's one thing I accomplished today? What's one person mm -hmm. I helped or supported? What's one memorable moment? What's one thing I learned and one thing I'm proud of? And if you just pause for a minute and answer either one of those questions or all of those questions, you're going to shift your mind to that mental positive to see the progress you made and the difference you're making and that you're growing. And that gives us that sense of hope that we're moving forward. And then compassion, you know, we do that by getting in conversation mm -hmm. in conversations like you and I are having today, you know, writing a thank yeah. you note to somebody, you know, <clears throat> if somebody crosses your mind and it made you smile, like I love to just pick up my phone and record a voice message and send it to them or do a quick video mm. over or, you know, some people are good at writing handwritten thank you notes. I'm not good at getting him in the mail, but many times I'll write them, snap a photo of it, and then and then send them a picture of it, you know, because then it will get right. done. And then I think the fun and laughter is just, you know, what are those things that we can watch that, you know, that may be kitten videos on YouTube or our animals mm -hmm. or, you know, sharing yeah. memes or, you know, playing with your kid or, you know, it's like, but it's thinking about like watching Ted Lasso, like shows that don't have huge yeah. emotional drama but just right. make you smile and feel good and be conscious of what we're putting in. And I think those little things like thinking about that, that are all geared towards just shifting our mind away from here over to here are the ones that make, mm -hmm. I think the biggest difference. 
Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is the first ever one-on-one I've done um, on this new podcast that you were the first, and this is an amazing first, so thank you. This is just a a great conversation, and thank you also as well because this is – and I hope it didn't come across too clearly. This is a conversation or a type of conversation that is – extremely new to me that I it's an entire area that I am just now learning to navigate. I don't know all the jargon. I don't know all the techniques. I don't know all these things about sort of taking care of our mental health. I think for so much of our history, mental health has been just kind of like the entire discussion has been centered around people who are really dealing with some, you know, serious either biochemical or psychiatric or other very severe uh, health conditions. But we all have mental health the same way we all have physical health. We all have emotional needs and we all have um, brains, minds that that need to be taken care of. Um, And I feel very silly sometimes that I'm only coming to that realization at this point in my life. But but again, better late than never. Um, So I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with a total newbie like me. It was really wonderful. So thank you. I don't think you're quite as new as you think you are. And I I, I think I would challenge that because... I've known okay. you for a couple of years and you're a pretty conscious yeah. and self-aware person. And I think that I try, <laughs> I think that owning that, that maybe I'm now just getting into the point where I'm starting to do these things and talk about them. I think it's also yeah. been built into who you are. And so I'd, I'd, I'd mm. push back and challenge you on that to own a little bit, take that in there. Okay. <laughs> I just want to like this is I don't think you're quite as new as you yeah. think about it. Maybe you're now just, yeah have clicked on that web browser and now you're seeing that there's all these conversations going on. But I think that what I think you bring to the conversation that's so valuable is a way of making it real, right? Is that there Mm -hmm. is some jargon out there and that jargon is a complete waste of time most of the time, right? There are techniques and the truth is it's going to come down to about 10 different things that people do. And I think you bringing attention and focus to this conversation and to maybe share it with audience that may not get exposed to it all the time, I think is is a huge gift. And thanks for thanks for having me on today oh. and, and and making time for and space for me to be part of that conversation. Well, I, I'm going to say thank you for that and and um not do the thing that I uh, historically have done, which is shy away from positive feedback Great. <laughs> and which just is say part thank of you exactly for exactly what we just talked about. Because if you don't let it <laughs> exactly. in, exactly right. Right. People stop giving. Them. Right. 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 And it's it's not good to only take in the negative. So thank you. Right. And um, this, I mean, based off this conversation, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be I, doing this I together. So to happy to happy. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Oh, and um, before we go, also make sure it, tell everyone about your website and your YouTube channel. Yeah, make sure they can uh, check that Chris out as well. On thank you. Or sorry, it's um. So my website is beyondthankyou.com, and you can go to YouTube at Beyond Thank You, I think. Um, Maybe I'll give you the link, (laughs) and you can put it in the show notes there. Um, But check that out. I have some videos on self-care as well as things you can do to build and maintain cultures where people feel valued every day. Excellent. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for having me.